family and welcome to caregiving is a ministry where we look at the word of god through the lens of caregiving don't forget to follow me on facebook at caregiving is a ministry all one word today we're going to look at psalm 76 and it's an interesting psalm so i'll read it from the new american standard um, bible and we'll get started god is known in judah his name is great in israel his temple is in salem his dwelling place is also His dwelling place also is in Zion. There he broke the flaming arrows, the shield, the sword, and the weapons of war. You are resplendent, more majestic than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted were plundered, they sank into the sea, and none of the warriors could use their hands. At your rebuke, God of Jacob, both rider and horse were cast into a deep sleep. You, you indeed are to be feared, and who may stand in your presence once you are angry? You caused judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still, when God arose to judgment to save all the humble of the earth. For the wrath of mankind shall praise you. You will encircle yourself with the remnant of wrath. Make vows to the Lord your God and fulfill them. All who are around him are to bring gifts to him who is to be feared. He will cut off the spirit of princes. Princes, he is feared by, by the kings of the earth. We seem to be on a roll right now in book three, as they say of the Psalms, because this is another Psalm written by Asaph. Um, just like the one yesterday, this Psalm is a song. This Psalm is a song. And this song is to be sung to stringed instruments. At least that's what my Bible says. I think it's neat how we can get a glimpse into how ancient Israel worshipped God. I've just It makes it more, gives me more of a connection with them when I read in my Bible as I'm sure is, um, as are within your Bibles. You know, when you read that this is to be sung, um, with stringed instruments. This is to be sung with the harp. This is to be sung with uh, um, the temple tendrils, I think is what it says in some of them. But it gives, it just makes it more real as to how they were worshiping God. And I just find that really interesting. Another thing that I find interesting is the first two verses sort of repeat themselves. They're like saying the same thing. And I say that because Asaph uses at least three, no, two references to the same thing. Can you guess what I'm referring to? Let's see. In verse one, it speaks of God being known in Judah. Judah, of course, was a tribe of Israel, right? And the tribe Jesus was born into and the one David was born into. But I'm unsure why Asaph distinctly uses Judah. Then in the following statement, he states that God's name is great in Israel. So God is known in Judah and his name is great in Israel. To the commoner, you know, Judah and Israel were probably interchangeable. And further along in history, that's how we got the term Jew was because of Judah. So when people would say Judah, they meant Israel. And so it's just interesting, you know, 
what is the distinction? God called the entire nation. So to distinguish between God being known in Judah and then again in, in Israel is a, is a little bit perplexing to me. And I couldn't find a, a, a great um, revelation as to why in any of the commentaries. Then Asaph comes to say that God's tabernacle is in Salem. Remember, the tabernacle was God's dwelling place, so it represents God's presence. So Asaph is stating, stating that God resides in Salem. Well, where is Salem? That's a trick question, but I'll give you a hint. Salem is actually the last five letters of the city it's referring to. You got it? Jerusalem. So it's Jerusalem. So we have that, right? Then the very next sentence states that God's dwelling place is in Zion. Do you remember what Zion represents? It's another way of saying Jerusalem. So he's saying the same thing in these two verses. It's redundant in nature. They state that Israel, but I think what he's trying to get at with the redundancy is that Israel has not forgotten God. That he resides with them in their city. They are his chosen people and they've not forgotten that they are his chosen people. So they're kind of bragging in a sense. God is with us. Now the song takes on a more of a tribute of sorts to God because it outlines how God has crushed the enemies and uplifted Israel. Because when you see enemies in the Old Testament especially, they're really enemies of Israel, but because Israel is God's chosen people, they're enemies of God. So they're one and the same. So Asaph is saying that God has, you know, crushed our enemies. He's executed his judgment because they mocked us and therefore they mocked him. Then we get to verse 10, which is a very odd verse. I'll reread it. It states, for the wrath of mankind shall praise you. You will encircle yourself with the remnant of wrath. What? <laughs> what could that possibly mean? From my research, some of the commentaries state that this verse in the Hebrew is ambiguous. I'll be taking Hebrew next quarter, so maybe I'll understand it a little better. But then they go on to say that it could possibly be interpreted as God's wrath against humankind. And that God, since God is a just God, Israel recognizes God as being a just God. When he executes vengeance or pours out his wrath as a form of judgment, it is seen as an act to be praised because he is uplifting the righteous and he is um, dispensing justice for the righteous. And we can praise him for that. But like it's it's ambiguous, so we can take that or leave it. But I think the gist of what um, that verse is saying, it's pointless, really. Well, I guess we should say after that verse, right, it, it does kind of make sense that God is um, executing judgment because then the following verse then kind of falls in line with that um mindset because Asaph then is cautioning the listener to turn to God, to pay all allegiance to him, to be faithful to him. Why be faithful to God and follow him? It comes in verse 12 because all the other kings on the earth 
which is a metaphor for any type of authority, is still subject to God. It's essentially pointless for anyone to follow anyone other than the one true God. And I think that's what this song is saying in essence, that Israel knows that they're God's people. He has proven himself. He is a God of judgment. He is a God who is just and his judgment is just. It doesn't make any sense to believe in anyone else. So align yourself with God. So what do you think? Do you think it's wise to trust Yahweh, Jehovah? I hope you're saying yes. Why do you trust God? I trust God because I've experienced his remarkable goodness to me. I've experienced his favor in my life. I've experienced his presence. He is real to me. What is your reason? I think today is a good day for you to find, you know, someplace quiet and ask yourself why you trust God. You see, you can't trust him based on what your mama or your daddy told you. You can't base it based on their faith. You have to have faith. You've got to put you've got to trust him for yourself. And I think it's always good to kind of stop to ensure that you're where God wants you to be and you're doing what God wants you to do. Asking yourself, do you trust him? And why is a way to take inventory of your motives, of your behaviors, to ensure that they reflect the relationship that you say that you have with God. And it allows you to reflect on what God has done for you. And so this time isn't about anybody else. It's about you and your Savior. So go find a quiet place and renew your covenant with God. Let's pray. Holy God, we come before you today knowing that even though many years ago you chose the nation of Israel to be your chosen people, you've also chosen us, that we've been grafted into that lineage that Abrahamic lineage and that we are now your chosen people and that your tabernacle is our hearts. Where you dwell with us, you reside with us, your spirit lives within us. And so we say thank you for loving us that much that you've not left us or forsaken us. Thank you for being a just God. When we see the atrocities that are happening in the world, things that we don't quite understand, give us the peace of knowing that you will make it right in your timing. Thank you for being a God that we can come to. Thank you for being a God who delights in us. I ask, Father, that as each person finds their quiet time today, that you speak to their hearts, that they renew their covenant with you once again, remembering why they trust you, why they call on your name. We ask that your Holy Spirit bring all of the memories of how you have taken care of them, how you have poured out your favor on them and your mercy and your goodness. Bless the caregivers who are listening, Father, and help them to know that you've not forgotten them and that this season isn't a season of punishment, but it is a season of reward because there is reward in allowing you to work through them to care for their loved one. Bless us this day, Father, 
keep us safe and keep us forever humbled before you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my podcast family, go and minister the act of caregiving. In the name of Jesus, bye.